Revelation 22, last book in the Bible, last chapter of the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter number 22, if you would take some time, get your Bible turned there very quickly before we have special music, share a testimony, somebody, something you're thankful for, something you want to praise the Lord for, anyone, Revelation 22, anybody, Brother Mark? Keep both of them. Yes, sir. Brother Paul? Well, I hope so. And I thank God for uh, folks who take part in special music. It, it adds to our service, doesn't it? You go, and we've been a part of them. Kathy and I have before. Maybe you have. We've been to smaller churches that don't have a pianist. And and don't have and music makes a difference in how we come to worship. Thank you for sharing that, Agnes. Amen. Somebody else, very quickly, you have a blessing or answer to prayer, Brother Tom. Good. Praise the Lord. Good. You know, I, I have a rule of thumb. I think if we tap our feet before it engages our brain, maybe uh, it's not right. Because uh, And you, we've studied this for years, and we sh I guess we should teach on it more. Music has three components, melody, harmony, and rhythm. And we could prove to you from the scriptures that rhythm should be uh, the lesser part of all scriptural music. Rhythm should be that lesser part. Nothing wrong with rhythm. Uh, I don't like a dead song. I don't like, I don't want a, you to be in a monastery. I want it to be upbeat with some, uh, but there's something to that. All right, take your Bible, Revelation 22. Uh, we're waiting on our other special music young man to come up. Uh, we're ready, Brother Rogers. Would you come up so we can go along with the service? designed a master plan he exchanged a sinner for the sinless one Jesus left his throne on high came to earth to bleed and die he said father not my will but thine be done he is my shall be he is mine through god's mercy and his grace he's prepared for us a place 
Words cannot describe the matchless beauty there. We will praise the perfect Lamb, King of kings, the great I Am. He has made the joys of heaven ours to share. Take your Bible, Revelation 22. Um, I have glasses somewhere. Somebody give me some glasses so I can find my glasses. <laughs> Revelation 22. I want to speak to you tonight. Very simple uh, text, but it, it's profound. Uh, I want us to read together in verse number 17. Read it out loud together. Revelation 22, verse 17. The Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Father, help us tonight. I pray that we would rightly divide the word of truth. I pray that your spirit will lead us and guide us. And Father, may we not only understand whether we are in Christ, may we understand about how to lead others to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for some tonight that may doubt their salvation, that tonight they will gain the assurance of their salvation. And I pray for each and every one of us, we will have a biblical view of how we come to know Christ as Savior. Speak to us tonight through thy word, in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to go back to verse 17, and I want you to see how some interpret this verse. And the Spirit and bride say, come to the elect. And let him that is predestined come. And let him that is elect come. Is that biblical? No. It says, and whosoever will hear, and whosoever will come, and whosoever will may come. We are not in our church, and I believe biblically so. I've studied the issues. I have. Uh, we are not Calvinistic in doctrine. We believe that anybody and everybody who desires to be saved can and should be saved. Now, I want to dig into this about salvation a little bit deeper. So we see in this verse that the Spirit of God pleads with men to come. I ask you this tonight. Are those, or is there anyone on earth that we know of that if we took the gospel to them, the Spirit of God, because they're not elect or predestined, would not draw them to come. I believe we would say no. So the Spirit of God pleads with men to come to Jesus, the bride of Christ. The church pleads with people to come to Jesus. And I was thinking of this, there's no place happier than the church when people get saved. Why? We want people to get saved. And we believe what Dio Moody said, that you can't take the gospel to the wrong address. Our Lord said this, follow me if you would, in John 4. 
He said, whosoever drinketh this water. Remember what was happening in John 4? They were going into town to get some supplies, and Jesus knew he was God. He knew what was going to happen, that a fallen woman would make her way to that well to draw water. So he sent his disciples ahead, and he said this, I'm going to go to that well. And sure enough, this lady came, and she was not a Sunday school woman. She was a woman that had, uh, had at least five other marriages, and she was living with a man who was not her, uh, her husband. Jesus cared about her. And he said this to the woman. He's looking at water. This is a good way to witness. Look at a round of things that uh, are tangible that we can see, hear, taste, touch, feel, and apply the gospel. So Jesus says to this woman, whosoever drinketh of this water, he's looking at the water in the well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So now in verse 17, he said, if you're thirsty, you come. And when you come thirsty, you can drink. But you should and can drink of the water that only Jesus uh, will provide. Now, let me say this, that word whosoever. In the Greek, really, it means this. Everyone, as many as will. Okay, I'm going to go back to that. Everyone, as many as will. So let me say this. If someone dies and goes to hell, they die and go to hell in spite of God, not because of God. Nobody in hell will raise a finger of accusation and say to God, I wanted to be in heaven, but your spirit did not draw me. I wanted to be in heaven, but I was not elect. I was not predestined. Whosoever, everyone, as many as will, hotheleon, are, are the Greek language. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, who will turn to Jesus can drink of that water. This, what we have in Revelation 22, the last chapter in the Word of God, and the last few verses. Now, let me say this to you. Past chapter 4, the church has been raptured out. This is a heavenly scene. One last invitation for mankind to come is issued. As you think about this, I want you to follow me, and I'm going to show you how God has called men to salvation from the very beginning of time. Will you follow me in your mind? We're not going to turn to all these in Scripture. You remember, go with me to the Garden of Eden. When God created, after chapter 2, all of creation is done, man is created, and he said this. He said to Adam, and Adam was to tell his wife, of all of the trees of the garden you may eat, except for what tree? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord said, I don't want you to eat, to the, eat of that tree. Basically, what he's saying is that tree belongs to me. He wanted man to choose to follow and to love him. Now watch this. God, and you think about what happened there. And our first parents in the Garden of Eden, what did they say? They said to God, no, we're not going to obey your laws. We're going to eat of that fruit. Did they not eat in chapter 3? So God goes in. The plan of God goes in. Now how am I going to save mankind? And what am I going to do? So the Lord looked down from heaven on the children of Adam, and he said, that, what am I going to do to allow them to be saved? And so he gave his law on Mount Sinai. And Moses there went up to Mount Sinai, and the law was given to the children of men. And even the, the finger of God wrote in those tablets of stone, what is he doing through the law? It's our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, our our forefathers and our parents ate of that forbidden fruit. And God goes into play and said, I've got to save mankind. So he gives the law. Did they obey the law? No, they said this. God, we're not going to keep your law. And they break all of God's commandments, literally and figuratively. So it started with our forefathers in the Garden of Eden. And then God said, I'm going, to give the, I'm going to give the commandments. I'm going to give the law. 
and mankind did not keep it. And the Lord God looked again down from heaven to the children of Adam and said, what am I going to do so they might be saved? And so he said this, I'll send my prophets. Did they receive the prophets? They turned from the words of the prophets. Many of those prophets, uh, the Bible tells us about in the book of Isaiah, about those men, some of them they fed to the lions, didn't they? That's Daniel. Lions didn't eat them. And some were sawn asunder, Hebrews tells us. They put them in hollow tree trunks, and they ran the tree trunks through a saw. They sawed them under. So God says from the very beginning of mankind, I'm gonna, I want them to be saved, and I want my spirit to draw them. And so I'm going to give them the opportunity to know me. But man turned in the Garden of Eden. So God gave his law, and man broke his law. So God sends the prophets, and man despised and killed and murdered the prophets. And the, once again, the Lord looked down from heaven and the children of Adam, and he said to himself, what must I do that they can be saved? So he sent a forerunner. Who is the forerunner of Jesus Christ? John the Baptist. Did they receive the forerunner? What did they do to John the Baptist? They cut his head off, and they danced and partied with his head on a charger. Go with me again. God so much wants mankind to be saved. He started in the Garden of Eden. Then he went to Mount Sinai. Then he sent the prophets, and they killed and sawed them asunder. And then he sends the forerunner, John the Baptist. And the children of Adam, of which you and I are a part, said, we don't want any part of this message. Repent and be saved. We don't want any part of it. And they killed him. So then God looks down at the children of, of Adam from heaven, and what must I do so that they can be saved? And he sent his own precious begotten son. Did they receive the Lord Jesus Christ? What did they do to him? They nailed him on Calvary's cross. They stuck a spear in his side. They mocked him at the day of his crucifixion. They put a fictitious crown like a king would wear. You want to be a king of kings? I'm going to give you a crown. And they took that, that crown and they jammed it into his head. And the precious blood of God ran down his, his face and into his eyes and upon that precious beard. And they sent the, Jesus sent, God sent the son, his only son, and we nailed him to Calvary's cross. In the garden, he's calling. On Mount Sinai, he's calling. With the prophets, he's calling. With the forerunner, John the Baptist, he's calling the children of men. And again, we said no, and we said no, and we said no, and we said no. So surely he said, God the Father, they will not despise my own precious son, and yet we did. So then what did we do after Jesus Christ? And the Lord God again looked down from heaven on the children of Adam and said, what can I do to draw them to salvation? So he sent the apostles, Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and the apostles. Did they receive the apostles? Do you know each and every apostle, according to as much as I can study, died a martyr's death? I'm not going to listen to you in the Garden of Eden. I'm not listening to the laws on Mount Sinai. I'm not listening as you send your prophets. I'm not listening as you send your forerunner. I'm not listening as you send the apostles. And so they did. Those apostles brought a message. Let me start some of the words that the Apostle Paul said to the children of men. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, say it with me, and shalt believe in thy heart, thou shalt be what? Saved. That was the message all the way from the Garden of Eden. When there in the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam sinned and his wife followed him, God came down and he killed a little, I believe, a lamb. Innocent blood was shed for the first time so that man's nakedness might be clothed. Then later on, the Bible says in Lamentations in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The apostles came and brought the message of salvation. 
But mankind responded, no, we will not confess with our mouth, nor will we believe in our heart. And they took God's apostles and they cut their heads with a sword. They stoned them to death. And others, they abandoned them to rocky islands to die of exposure and starvation, the apostle John. Go with me again, a panoramic view of the scriptures, how much God wants us to be saved. The Garden of Eden. No, I won't listen. From the Garden of Eden to the Mosaic Law. No, we will not listen to your commandments. From Mosaic Law, then I'm going to send you, I'm going to send the prophets. We're not going to listen to your prophets. Okay, I'll send a forerunner. I'm not going to listen to your forerunner. I'll send my own precious son. We're not going to listen to your precious son. I'll send the apostles. Are you following me? Do you see how desperately God wants mankind to be saved? So what does he do? And the Lord God looked down from heaven once again on the children of Adam. And he said something like this. If they will not obey my commandments and they won't listen to my prophets, they won't obey the apostles, this I'll do that they might be saved. If a man will just turn to me. You don't have to obey the prophets. You don't have to, uh, to turn to the, to the forerunner. But just obey. Just come. Just be willing to drink of that water of life. How easy is that? I want you to follow me. We believe here specifically in our church. I believe as pastor in the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God. Do you? If you do. Not is every thought inspired, every word, every jot, and every tittle. If that is true, the Holy Spirit of God under the divine inspiration put into John's heart and mine. I want you to put my last invitation in my precious word. Whosoever will drink. We said what that meant in the Greek. Anyone, everyone, at any time. He did not tell John to write, whosoever understandeth. Did he? He didn't say, whosoever receiveth. He didn't say, whosoever feeleth. He didn't say, whosoever loveth can come. He said, whosoever. Now follow me. Whosoever will may come. Another scripture in, chapter, in, in, in verse 22, he says this, I will receive him, I'll blot out his sins, I'll write his name in the Lamb book of life, regenerate his life now, and save him and take him to heaven. Whosoever will. Now listen to this. You think about this. I study, somebody said it this way, preacher, do you preach your own sermons? Uh, somebody asked a famous pastor of old that and said, said, do you preach your own sermons? I think all of us who preach are a microcosm of all of the teaching and learning that we have taken in through the years. This pastor answered it that way. He said, I milk a lot of cows, but I churn my own butter. One of the great Southern Baptist, church, uh, Baptist preachers of old, I believe that I, I, I never went to his church. I have a few of his books in my library, W.A. Criswell. W.A. Criswell was preaching, and he started his preaching in some old country churches. They called them tabernacles. W.A. Criswell started to preach under his own testimony. He was in a Sunday service in one of those country tabernacles, and he preached his heart out, and nobody got saved. And they were about to end of the service, and the man was leading, and he told the song leader, he said, I want you to wait just a moment. And he said this to that little congregation. He said, is there anybody here tonight, anyone who will come forward and just be willing to give God the chance to save them? And he made this promise, if you come forward this morning and you give God a chance to save you, and he doesn't save you, I make you this promise, I will close my Bible and I will never preach again. A young man in the back, an old cowpoke, raised his hand. He said, Preacher, I'll take you up on that promise. And down the aisle he came. 
to be saved. W.A. Criswell personally went down there with him, and he told that young man, the people are, are praying, the singing is still going on, and he tried to lead that man to Christ. And that man said to the preacher, nothing changed, I'm still the same. So back down on their knees, they went, and Brother Criswell went through the whole thing again, and he said, preacher, nothing's changed, it's still all the same, I ain't saved. They did that seven times. That man left that auditorium not getting saved. W. Criswell went home and his own testimony, he said, I couldn't eat. And he said, my own precious wife reminded me as we were getting ready for the evening service, she reminded me, you know the promise you made those people. If anybody came down the aisle and they wanted to be saved and they couldn't be saved, you'd never open your Bible again. W. Criswell said, what do I do? He was going to go that night and tell the folks, I'm not going to preach you. I have nothing to preach to you. I made you a promise I'd never open my Bible again if somebody came down to be saved and they couldn't be saved. As he and his wife, and he had that burden on his heart, imagine this, Brother Stephen. Imagine this, Brother Josh. Imagine this, Brother Bill. Imagine never being able to preach the gospel again. How would that change your life? It would turn my life upside down. That's why W.A. Criswell started his ministry. In his own testimony, he said he and his wife pulled up to that little country church. Before he could get inside, that old cowpoke met him and said, Hey, preacher. I got some good news. He said, I got saved this afternoon and the glory of God came down and filled my heart. How do you think W. A. Criswell preached that night? Then he said this later on in his testimony. He said, I got to be careful how I open my big mouth. Do you know I could make that same promise to you tonight that Criswell made? If there's somebody here tonight and you're not saved, and if you came down an aisle and you couldn't be saved, I should close my Bible and never preach again. But see, the truth of the matter is, and God, told, God taught Brother Criswell a lesson that, don't you worry about if somebody comes to be saved, I said whosoever, I'm going to save them. And so get saved, he did. I want to illustrate this. Can I illustrate this? We think about this. We think about as we look through about how people get saved and when people get saved and what happens when they get saved, what part is ours and what part is God's? There was an old man named, his, honest, this is true. You're going you're gonna to think, preacher, you're making this up. I'm not. There was an old man with his last name of Pease, P-E-A-S, and he died, and he knew Christ as Savior. I kid you not, this is in London. You can go and find this on a tombstone in London. Here's what it says. Here lies the body of old man Pease, beneath the daisies and the trees. But Pease ain't here, only the pod. Pease shelled out and gone home to God. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Huh? I don't know when Mr. Pease got saved, I don't, but I know how he got saved. Just like you and I get saved. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life and drink it freely. Anybody, anytime, anywhere. You think about that. Now, I'm going to show you now. Let's dip into this. Are you with me? Stay with me. I think I'll help you. You are a three-part being, right? We're made in the image of God. What are those three parts? Body, soul, and spirit. Now, let's break them down a little bit more. Think about this, we are a mind, okay? That's our understanding. Are you following me? Our mind or our understanding. We are emotional creatures, our feelings. And then we are, we have a will, our volition. So you think about this, my mind, my emotion, and my will. Now go with me. With, with which part do we get saved? Follow me. Let's break this down. Am I saved in my mind? Am I saved with my understanding? 
If that is true, you think about this. My understanding or my knowledge. I'm going to make a statement to you. We're not saved in our head. Now there's a part, Romans 10, 17. Say it with me if you know it. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... But how many have heard the word of God and are not saved? So be careful with this. Our mind, are we saved through our education? Are we saved through our emotion? Are we saved through our will? Follow me, those of you who are historians, uh, U.S. Hist uh, uh, world history. Do you know up until the time of the Second World War, on the face of the earth, if you wanted to go and get educated, you would go to Germany. It was the seat of higher education. The German people were very uh, intellect, intellectual people, and they were very learned people. And yet, there never has been a nation quite like Germany that was, a, that was literate and educated and full of achievement. But look at what happened. There never has been a nation more brutal. Have you studied Dachau? Do you know what happened in those camps, Nazi Germany? Do you know how the German scientists literally peeled the skin off of people and made lampshades? You know how they went in there and they studied about, and watch this, and used those precious Jewish people as guinea pigs? Now here's a place on earth that has the most education, the most learning, the most knowledge, and they're the most decadent. And I believe that that teaches us something. We don't get saved with our mind, and it's not primarily the... Now, God speaks to our mind. I think about this. I put it in my notes. A, ma, a man is not saved because he's smart. True or false? Because he's full of understanding, or because you have academic degrees, or because he or she is intelligent and educated, you're not saved in your mind alone. Never. So then think about this. So the second part of our being is our emotions. I remember times like this. One day, and I don't remember, Sweater, if it was you and I who was with me. We were in Louisiana. We had our soul winning visitation on Thursday night. We knocked on the door of a man that was, that was an air base there. I don't know if you've, any of you men been on Barksdale Air Force Base, know where it's at. Our church is right outside Barksdale Air Force Base. Knocked on the door of one of these men who was a airman at Barksdale. His name was Mr. Bryant. Mr. Bryant was Korean. And I remember as a worshiper of Buddha, I remember telling Mr. Bryant about Jesus. And here's kind of how he responded. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I'll do that. And I said, Mr. Bryant, you want to be saved? Yeah, I'll do that. That's it. Said, All right, so I'll pray with him. If it was you, sweetheart, and I don't remember, was it you? You and I? Whoever I was with, we walked out of that house. That, Mr. Bryant prayed. No emotion whatsoever. I walked out of that house and I made this comment. That man didn't get saved. You know who showed up for church Sunday? Mr. Bryant. You know who walked the aisle Sunday morning? Mr. Bryant. You know who came back next Sunday and wanted to be baptized? Mr. Bryant. We had staff meeting on Monday, and the preacher said, he said, Brother Rogers, and I told him, I, well, first I told him, I said, Preacher, did you talk to Brother Bryant about baptism? He said, I didn't talk to him. I thought you talked to him. I didn't talk to him. I thought you talked to him. Guess who talked to him? The Lord. Do you know, years later, my wife and I went back before we started this ministry. We went back to candidate at that church. Guess who was still in that church? Y'all do that. Huh? Be careful with this. Some people come down the aisle and they skip and dance and cry and sing. Some people come down the aisle to get saved and they'll say, yeah, I'll do that. Because we're not saved with our mind. We're not saved with our emotions. 
The emotions is not the seat of our salvation. Some of you have studied the James Lang theory of emotions. And I imagine, I don't know, Brother Stephen, if you had, that was the hardest thing, Brother Bill, for me. I actually went to our chancellor and I said, listen, you want us to take psychology and I just, I can't find psychology in the Bible. I don't want to take psychology and, and can you just, I'll take another class, but don't make me take these psychology classes. And he said, you're going to take them. James Lang theory of emotions basically says this. He sums it up that all of us are a summary of all the anatomical changes in your body. Is your body changing? Because mine sure is. <laughs> Have you gained a little bit of weight since you were 20? <laughs> can you get into it? Now, some of you can. My wife can. That makes me mad. All right? We're changing, aren't we? And do you know what changes? If James Lang is right, then your feelings and your emotions change. My preacher used to say it this way. Sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm blue. My disposition depends on you. Now watch this. Sometimes you might feel saved, and sometimes you may not feel saved. But whether or not you feel saved doesn't mean you are saved or are not saved. Because the seat of our salvation and faith in Christ is not our mind, it's not our emotion. Now, we're a three-part being. So you think, preacher, if it's not my mind and it's not my emotion, how do I get saved? Somebody said it this way, religious emotion is no different than any other emotion. It rises and it falls. It comes and it goes. Whenever you tie your religion to your feelings, you'll drag it to death. Hear me tonight. You tie your religion to your feelings and you'll drag it to death. Now, I want to do this. Do you want God to move in your heart? Do you want sometimes him to move you to tears in the teaching and preaching and music and fellowship of God's people? I do. I want to feel those emotions. But we're talking tonight about how to get saved. One day you may say that you'll feel saved. Somebody wrote it this way, I'm sometimes up and I'm sometimes down, but still my soul is heaven bound. Isn't that good? Sometimes I'm up, God speaks to me, and it's just like the throne of heaven is literally, I can see it, I can taste it, I can feel the evidence of my salvation, and sometimes I'm down. Would it scare you to know that some of the most precious saints that have gone on <coughs> to be with the Lord in this ministry and other ministries. If I get that last little bit of time with them on their deathbed, do you know how many of them will tell me this, preacher? I don't feel like I'm saved. Their bodies hurt me. It's racked with pain. But I say this to you, and I think about this. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. But still your soul in Christ is heaven bound. Somebody said, now we don't use it. Does anybody in here use a mercury thermometer anymore? Alan Frazier, do you really? You do it, Luann? All right. Did you know, and, and that's okay, I'm not chiding you. Some of you youngsters are going like you, Steve and Crystal, you're probably looking at us like Karen. What's a mercury thermometer? Remember when your parents would shake it? What were they doing? Getting the mercury down to the bottom, Right? And then they'd put it under your arm or in your or in other places we're not going to talk about. They'd take that mercury thermometer. Now watch. And what would happen? It would rise, wouldn't it? Once mom shook it, do you know your feelings are just like mercury in the thermometer? Sometimes they're up. Sometimes they're down. Now watch this. So some of you might say, well, preacher, if I'm not saved in my head or my smartness, my education, and I'm not saved in my feeling and my emotion, where is the seat of my salvation? Can I tell you this? It's in your will. It's in your volition. And here's God saying, I ask you this as you get to, as you look at whether or not you're saved, did you ever hear the message of salvation and say, okay, I'll come? Then you were saved. 
with your will, whosoever will drink of the water of life, I'm going to give him the water of life. I want you to turn Luke 15. Somebody tell me what's in Luke 15. Somebody, Bible student, what's in Luke 15? Brother Stephen, what's in Luke 15? Prodigal son. We're not going to read the whole thing. Remember, Father given unto me all the things that belonged unto me. And he went and took his father's substance. And he had riotous living, a type. Now think about this, of a lost person living it up. And listen to what the devil tells him, bring you happiness and joy. I want to show you some pre a precious verse in Proverbs, in, in Luke 15. When did this young man get saved? Now watch this. I believe he got saved. Now think about this. and It all starts in verse number 11. Now watch this. But I want you to go down. So he came to himself, didn't he? That's education. Was he saved when he came to himself? No. He was not. The Bible, matter of fact, back up there. Watch what it says. Uh, look at verse number 16. And he would have fain filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he's not saved there. This is, this is the mind. This is the education. This is him understanding. My father has plenty of food to eat. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to, and, and to spare, and I will perish with hunger. Here's where he got saved. Read the next three words in verse 18. I will arise. That's where he got saved. My will, my volition. I'm going to get out of the pig pen. I'm coming to Jesus. Not your mind, not your feelings, but your volition and your will. I don't know of a more poignant or beautiful way to illustrate how we come to the Lord Jesus Christ other than this that we have tonight with Luke chapter number 15. Now think about this. So what's the difference? And I will. A decision made in the heart, in the soul, is exactly what God is looking for. I ask you this tonight. For me, it was a 12-year-old boy in Monument, Colorado, in a, in, a, uh, in, in a bonfire that our youth pastor had. And I said, I will. I heard the voice of God. I, I, not audibly. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart. You need to be saved. I understood that for years. I grew up in a Christian church. Several times I've been down the aisle. But I was not saved. But the moment you think about this that I understood. And then that moment that I said, I will. I'm going to do that. We sing this song. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. For me, I can't tell you. How many of you do know the very day you got saved? You people are not normal. I just think about this. I think when, I, when we hear that, we used to sing. Do you ever hear you sing this, Brother Stephen or whatever? We used to go to camp and we'd sing that song. Uh, it was on a Monday, somebody touched me. It was on a Monday. And all the people that got saved on Monday stood up. And I look at that year after year and I think, I don't remember what day it was. So they'd go to Tuesday. It was on a Tuesday. Somebody touched me. It was on a Tuesday. Somebody touched me. All the people got saved on Tuesday stood up. I remember when they added this. They go all the way Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way through Sunday. And I'm thinking, I am saved, but I don't know what day I got saved, so I can't stand up. And they added this. It was on a one day. Somebody touched me. It was on a one day. And I could stand up. I don't know what day of the week it was. I do remember this. I do remember that God spoke to my heart and I said like the prodigal son, I will arise and go to my father. And can I say this, just like W.A. Criswell, he saved a little 12-year-old boy. Stop looking at your feelings. I feel saved, I don't feel saved. I am saved, I'm not saved. If you ever, through the act of your own will, you came and took the Lord up on that precious promise, whosoever will come, let him drink of the water of life freely. And you came and you drank. Can I say this? You're saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And one day you'll stand with your Savior for all of eternity.
You say, but preacher, I don't feel that way. Sometimes we don't, do we? Sometimes our feelings deceive us. You, so you think about this. Let's go back very quickly over our lesson. From the very beginning, this is the God of the Bible. This is the God of the universe. This God began very, very quickly in, in Genesis chapter number 2 as he created mankind. And he said, I want you to love me and I want you to serve me. I want you to abide by my laws. And they said, we're not going to do it. They ate of the forbidden fruit. So God looks at the children of Adam and said, I love them and I want to save them. What am I going to do to save them? And so the, the laws on Mount Sinai were instituted and Moses came down from that mountain with those tablets of stone written with the finger of God and God's people said we're not going to abide by them and they broke those laws. And so God looks down at the children of Adam and says, what am I going to do that they might be saved? And so he said, I know I'm going to send the prophets and they stoned him and they killed him and they sawed him asunder and they fed him to lions. God looked down at the children of men. I want them to be saved, and I want them to know how to be saved. What am I going to do? I'm going to send a forerunner, John the Baptist, and he's going to preach the message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they took John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and they, they cut his head off and put it on a, on, a, on a charger and brought it before a wicked king, and they danced and partied all night with the head of John the Baptist on a charger. So God looks down at the children of men and says, what am I going to do that they might be saved? And he said, I know. I'll send my own precious son. He'll live a sinless life. He'll die on Calvary's cross. And he'll say this, it is finished. Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, child of God. Or if you're here tonight and you're looking to be saved, it's finished. What do you have to do? Just come. Preacher, I don't understand it all. Okay, you don't get saved with your mind. You come. Do you understand enough to come? Do you understand enough to understand that Jesus loves you and paid your price with his death? But they took his son and nailed him to Calvary's cross, mocked him, spat upon him, pulled his beard. They put him in a borrowed tomb, and three days and three nights later, he rose from the grave, victorious over sin, death, and hell. So God once again looks and says, what can I do? They killed my own precious son. So he sent the apostles, and here comes Paul. And he says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in the heart, thou shalt be saved. And they took the apostles and once again killed them all. So now the final invitation. He just says, come. You want to be saved? You can be saved. It's that simple. Years ago, and we'll finish with this. John Calvin was a very learned man. He was very intelligent. He was very learned. Oh, goodness, I think it's five, five or six years ago, I was invited to a, one, of, one of the greatest meetings I've ever been to with a group of pastor, pastors. Pastor Chapel and his family built a, a cabin in Cortez, Colorado. And he said, Brother Rogers, I'd like to invite you. There's going to be a small group of we pastors there, and we'll have a time of fellowship, and I want you to come. And I said, I'd love to come. We're sitting around. The snow is falling outside, big, beautiful fireplace, and there's a roaring fire in that fireplace. And Pastor Chapel just opened up. He said, guys, let's talk. Let's talk from our heart. He said, tell me what's going on in your churches. And we begin to talk about the churches. And then he said this. He said, Tell me, tell me who you learn from. One of those men raised his hand and he said, I really like to study from John MacArthur. John MacArthur is a gifted teacher and preacher in Southern California, but he's an avid and staunch Calvinist. Let me tell you what Pastor Chapel said this. He said, I've read MacArthur. He said, I study by MacArthur. He'll say something I never forget, and I would say amen to what he said. He said this. He said, I like John MacArthur, but he makes it too hard to get saved. I ask you this, is it hard to get saved? I'm going to give you what we gave the soul winners yesterday, and if you pass the test, you can go home. If not, it's going to be a long night, right? <laughs> Think about in your Bible, give me a one word, 
verb that has to do with salvation? Any book in the Bible? Trust. It's really hard to trust. Hey, moms and dads, did you do this? Your little boy or girl, you set them up. Kathy and I did this. Set them on a countertop, tabletop, washer, dryer. We said, jump to daddy. Do they have to think, I got to think about this. What do they do? They just jump. You know why? They trust you. It's at heart. Who said trust? Okay, you can go home, Mary. No. <laughs> All right. Give me another word. Wait a minute, Brother Paul. Receive. Is it hard to receive? If I take a $100 bill out of my wallet, I don't have a $100. If I take a $100 bill out of Kathy's wallet and I give it to you, is it really hard to receive it? I've got to think about this. How do I receive this? You just take it. Trust, receive. Give me another one. Kathy? Huh? Believe. Believe. All right, was that yours, Linda? All right, believe. You see this? Let me give you some others. Isaiah said, look. Look to the Lamb of God and be ye saved. Just look. We said tonight, come. Well, that's really hard, preacher. I don't know how you come. Well, you just, the act of the will, you say I do. Can I say this to you? Quit readdressing your salvation every day based on how you feel. There it is. Do we get saved with our mind? There's a part we understand the scriptures. That's true. But you don't come to know Christ as Savior through your mind. Through my feelings, through my emotions, I'll never forget. We all do that. I will see Brother Bryant one day in heaven. And he was a, we all do that. You might lead, I don't know, Brother Paul, it probably you got more excited than Royal did when he got saved, probably. His body filled with cancer. He's in pain, I'm certain, as you gave the message of salvation. And let me ask you this. How did Royal get saved? You just see, I'll do that. Brother Paul took the gospel, prayed up, preacher, pray that when I take the gospel to him, he'll understand it. We have to use our mind. But then we make a choice. Can I say this to you? That's how simple it is. Whosoever. We serve a whosoever will, God and God.